What a bum. Look at the freaking scoreboard. You are not close. You play to win the game. Why can't the New York Jets ever have nice things? You're a Jets fan. You guys have to earn this stuff. You're going to have to suffer through another few years. I don't mean to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but get off my freaking lawn with that. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I mean, you can't make it up with this team. Happy Victory Monday, Jake. Only for you guys would I do this. Only on Gangs All Here. We love it. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for putting that montage you just heard together, Kaz. We have a new opening montage featuring some highlights from me and you and even a little Beningo over this past season of doing the podcast. Jake Brown here alongside Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos, a friend of the program. Tony Richardson, one of the greatest fullbacks ever in a position that you don't see many greats. You don't see many legends anymore. T. Rich, part of the last Jets playoff team a decade ago, is going to join us a little bit later in the show. Uh, some news and nuggets here. It felt like a second bye week with the Thursday game. My God, it's, it's weird. Zach Wilson is practicing, cause, but... It seems like we're getting the Mike White show again at MetLife Stadium Sunday. I guess I'm going to have to maybe go on Sunday now. They basically said, you know, they want Zach to be 100% before he plays, which that to me is code of like, we're going to go with Mike White this week. And they said, when Zach is healthy, he'll be the quarterback. Now let's see if Mike White can throw a monkey wrench into those plans and play really well Sunday against the Bills. And then we'll see what happens uh, against the Dolphins. You know, if White comes out and doesn't play that well, I think it's, it's going to be easy for them to go back to Zach against Miami. The strange football year of 2021 continues where more people will show up to MetLife if Mike White starts over Zach Wilson, which is so alarming. And then, you know, they have another home game against the Dolphins. So they have back-to-back home games coming up here. And, you know, if Mike White lights up, lights it up there, you get some fannies in the seats going into December. And then they have the Eagles and Saints as home games. So the schedule is not bad. Uh, the problem is, and we'll preview the games, the Bills are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. So uh, I don't expect them to be very happy coming into this one so excited to see mike white you know who's he gonna throw to denzel mims now on the covid list i guess he has to have two days of negative tests no symptoms you think the realistic shot he plays on sunday or no i don't really think it matters jake uh, Corey davis is back so i would think denzel mims is going to go back to the role he was in earlier in the season where he was rarely used anyway um i think davis you know Corey davis will be the guy so i, I don't think it's really going to make much of a difference so we get to see Mike White with Corey Davis. God, this team is full of common name guys, which is great for you writing it. You know, you, we were talking about Kyle Uzcheck later. Typing that out every day would be annoying, but typing out Mike White and Corey Davis and Zach Wilson must be pretty nice. Well, right? How about Corey Davis, Jared Davis, Ashton Davis? They gets it's a little confusing with the Davises, Jake. It used to be like a few years ago when they had Quinn and Williams, Leonard Williams, Greg Williams. It's a nice family reunion if if they, they all get together, uh, get the bar. Barbecue going. It's incredible how many common names this is. The, I mean, they're a common team. They're not winning very many games and they have common names. You know, another guy who is gone now is Thomas Morstead, Braden Mann. You know, the highest selling jersey last year of the terrible season returns. Does that make any difference? You know, they're, they're going to be punting a lot here in the second half. You know, Mann was a key part of the team last year and he made a few nice tackles as well. Thomas Morstead, veteran off the team. Yeah, I, I thought Morstead did a good job for them. I thought he punted, he flipped the field in Indy a couple times. I thought he did a pretty good job. So, but we'll see what, what Mann can do now. You know, we didn't really see him. He was out pretty early there, week one. You'll see if he can build off of his rookie year, which I thought he did some good things. There were some inconsistencies. So, you know, I don't think it's going to have a major effect, though, Jake. Mike LaFleur moved 
moving up to the box versus on the field. The stats show it's made a difference. You know, you've seen this happen over the years where guys will go up there, maybe they get a better view of what's going on, although they can't be ear to ear in some of these guys' faces. Does that make a legit difference, or is this just a coincidence with Mike White that they're scoring? I think it's made a difference. I don't think it's the difference. You know, I think there's a bunch of different things that have happened uh, in these last couple of weeks, including different quarterback that, you know, the, the biggest one, but Jake, you know, from someone who watches in the press box and then during the summer, I get to watch from the sideline in practice. It, it's a different world. <laughs> the game looks very easy from the press box. Hence why we have all, we have all the answers up there. You know, it's, you can see the whole field. You can see things developing. Like it's just a lot easier when you're on the sideline. It's like, it's like standing in Times Square and no, there's so many that. bodies there's so many bodies moving around at such rapid speeds it's hard to make sense of everything now he has people upstairs in his ear telling him some things but I definitely think it's a lot better to be upstairs to, to watch the game if you're an offensive coordinator where is his box compared to the press box is it right next to you guys I'm not even sure exactly where they are in MetLife. I know the visiting coaches are right next to us. So I'm going to get because the home coaches are probably on the other side a little bit from us. But yeah, I, mean, I never see the, the Jets coaches at home. I see the visiting coaches a lot. It is interesting because I guess you are higher up. You're elevated. You see more what's going on. But you can't go into you know a running back's ear unless I guess you call down and say, hey, you weren't here on this play. Like, How does the communication work? Because is, is it just the quarterback that's hearing what LaFleur is saying? Or does do all the players have it in the ears? How does that work? No, no the, he talks to the coaches on the sidelines. You know, all the position, most of the position coaches will still be on the sideline, and he can call down and say, you know, hey, you got to tell this guy to do this or, or whatever, whatever instructions he wants to give. And in terms of the quarterbacks, the Jets have about eight quarterbacks coaches. So you know, Matt Cavanaugh, John Beck, Rob Calabrese will all be on the sideline to work with whoever's that quarterback, and Lafleur can communicate through them basically. Do you feel like there's too many coaches? I mean, the Giants have a billion coaches, but are there too many? Is it? I, I know guys. You know, there's different position coaches, but is there too many out there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is. I mean, they, they football teams make things way too complicated. <laughs> it's not. It's not that hard. And they, yeah, they, they. There's way too many coaches. All right. Well, um, I'm available if the Jets need a. Uh, I don't even know. I thought you needed to be the Mets GM, Jake. Yeah, I'll, I'll spread the wealth in the off season. I'll, I'll go to the Jets. And uh, good God, that is really a mess. He's yeah. It's just like, does anybody want the job? I mean, well, now they're hiring a guy who's like a lawyer who's been out of the league for a few years, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like when they hire Terry Collins when he was out of the league for like a decade. They're like, all right, let's go with the Terry Collins. Well, and I know people love Terry, but uh, you know, I don't. I don't know who's going to end up with that job. But he's he's the front runner. But who? knows at this point it's it's going to be some name that we probably never heard of or had no idea we'd get the job well a name we we know very well who might not be a quarterback anymore sam Darnold. i mean this is bizarre he's just been terrible now he's got the shoulder injury might not see another snap with the panthers who knows where he goes next i think we could safely say i don't know if it's too early but cause i think we could agree that the jets won this trade right yeah i think so jake i mean they look they picked up his fifth year option though they owe him 18 million dollars next year so i'm not sure sam Darnold's going anywhere next year uh he might be the he might be on the bench. They might have Deshaun Watson in front of him or something like that. But they I, that was the baffling part to me when the Panthers made the trade. Jake is why pick up his fifth year option? Like why not just let make him prove it this year? But I mean, I think you know how I felt all along. You know, I thought this was who Sam Darnold was. I didn't. I thought everything got overstated about the people around him and the coaching. And I think if Sam has a perfect team around him, he's you're going to be in the playoffs. If he doesn't have a perfect team, you're going to be in trouble. You know, to me, I, the guy I've compared him to a lot is Blake Bortles. 
That's who he reminds me of. Blake Bortles went to the AFC Championship game with the Jaguars, right? When they had a really good team. And then there were some bad moments, <laughs> plenty of bad moments. And I think Sam compares to him. I feel bad for Sam because he's a really good guy. And I liked him when he, when he was with the Jets. I, I, I wish he was having more success. But in terms of the trade, Jake, it, it looks good for the Jets right now, getting a second-round pick for Sam Darnold. And then, and then some seems like a steal. When you're getting compared to Blake Bortles, it might be time to hang up the cleats. I don't know. I know Blake's back. <laughs> I wrote it last year. I wrote it last year. And then when the day of the trade, I did a Charlotte radio station. And they were like, oh, is it, you know. WFNZ, was it? I don't remember. They were very enthused about it, though. And I said, you know, he reminds me of Blake Bortles. And the host said, what? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he kind of reminds me of Blake Bortles. And like, our listeners just drove off the road. <laughs> <laughs> I drove like, off the microphone even hearing that comparison. But you look at the I'm stats. Like, look at the stats. They're very yeah. comparable. And people forget Blake Bortles went to an AFC championship game. And, you know, like if Sam had a great team around him, he could do that. But Yeah, well, he, that Jaguars he, defense was elite too. Then, yeah, so, great uh, team. You have to yeah. have a great team around you. Yep. Yeah, you need a perfect team. And, you know, even he got McCaffrey back on Sunday and still was hot garbage. So And Robbie Anderson's screaming for his head now. God, that is just an ugly situation there in Carolina with Matt Rule who a lot of people, the Giants, wanted as head coach. And now this guy's and Jets. Jets, yeah. Jets wanted him too the year before. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Matt Rule's Matt Rule's legend grew a little too quickly, in my opinion. I, I like I wanted to see him coach some games before we put him in Canton. But, yeah, he's he's had a tough time uh, with Sam Donald this year. You can hear more about that debacle with my guy Nick Wilson down on WFNZ Radio in Charlotte. Uh, the Bills uh, come to MetLife to face the Jets. Uh, speaking of those Jaguars, the Bills were stunned by the Jaguars in a 9-6 to game. It was disgusting. It was ugly. I'm sorry. I just can't imagine the Bills losing two in a row. They're a Super Bowl contender, and I can't imagine they come to MetLife and lose to the Jets. But who knows? Break down the game. Make your pick. It's it's Mike White. You know, maybe he, he does it again. And, well, this is, a, this is exactly what the Jets want. Jake, right? A division leader at home. They beat the Titans. They beat the Bengals. Like when they came in in those positions. So this is this is sets up right perfect for the Jets. But I agree with you. Watching it, them losing, they didn't really play well against the Dolphins the week before either. That was a close game until late, and then they pulled away. So something's wrong in Buffalo. Uh, they're not clicking on all cylinders like we thought they were, or maybe they were, you know, earlier in the season. But still, I, I think I think this is gonna be close. So what's the line now, Jake? Thirteen? Yeah, I think I it think, is. Yeah, I mean that's too. I, I think it's gonna be a close game. I think the Bills will win. I'll go Bills twenty-four, Jets twenty-three. The Bills eke out a one-pointer over the Jets. Wow, 24-23. Well, I'm gonna say twenty-seven, twenty-four Bills. So we we have pretty similar scores there yeah i think they're going to keep it close especially with mike white but i don't know i just can't see the jets winning this football game this is an angry bills team and i think their offense is going to light it up so we'll see i think that's a high number though i'm i think they're begging you to take the jets which in vegas almost always gets it right so that means the jets probably going to get crushed and we're both going to be wrong because that's just how the cookie crumbles wouldn't be the first time jake right it would not be the first time at all. Well, I'm excited to see Mike again. You know, I, I was locked in for that Colts game. I'm glad he's healthy enough to play. You know, I was worried that he might be out for some time. But we get at least, you know, enjoy this Sunday, Jets fans. It could be the final time you see Mike White. You know, you never know what Jeez. Zach Wilson might be back. Are you kidding me? That's uniform. You don't know. No, my final time as a Jets starter. Like you're acting like this is like the last game of Darrell Revis or something. Game. I might have to go to see the finale, the grand finale of Mike White. Well, listen, if if Zach comes back the week after, Mike might get traded in the offseason. So I think he's he, a restricted free agent. So I think they'd have to just have to sign him first. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah. this this could be it. Remember, remember when you enter the building, MetLife Stadium, you're pulling in Kyle Sunday, be like, 
This could be it. The swan song for Mike White. Mike, did it cross your mind that this might be your last game as a Jet today? Is that the post-game question? Jake? Ask that. You'll be you'll be memed after the game. You'll turn into a meme. <laughs> like when Paul Schwartz asked Kadarius Tony the question, and Kadarius looked at him like he had 10 heads last week. That was entertaining. All right. Well, Mike White, enjoy the finale. Hopefully not. I'd say if he wins, he gets another week. If he has a bad game, I think Zach Wilson's back versus Miami. And then what if he has like a 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and they lose a close game? Then what? I think he'll get another shot then. Okay. I think they'll give Zach another week of practice. He gets one more shot. I really want him to win. I want him to do what he did against Cincinnati because then we'll all be overly excited again. And then something crazy will happen the next day. The way the NFL world is going these last few weeks, the amount of bizarre news stories and guys saying dumb things doing dumb things i just don't know anymore what i'm gonna wake up to on a monday morning well hopefully we wake up reacting to a jets win and you'll catch us on monday reacting to that but you'll catch tony richardson the former jets fullback joining us next right here on gangs all here two sweethearts and the summer wind Joining us now on Gangs All Here is a friend of the program and one of the greatest fullbacks in the history of the NFL. He played three seasons for the Jets from 2008 through 2010, finishing his career there and helping Gang Green get to back-to-back AFC championship games. Good God, what are those? Never heard of them. He made three (laughs) Pro Bowls with the Chiefs and Vikings, played 16 years in the NFL as a member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame, the NFL 2000s All-Decade team and won a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award with the Jets. Let's welcome back to the pod Auburn alum, the pride of Frankfurt, West Germany, and Daleville, Alabama, and now a fellow Queens resident, number 49, Tony Richardson. Tony, welcome back to the show. I know you're now the Northeast coordinator for the Legends community with the NFL. What does that role entail? It's a fancy title. Yeah, you know, actually what we started to notice, you know, it kind of started with Troy Vincent, Tracy Perlman, and Roger Goodell. And they were sitting at a conference table and, you know, Troy was still getting all his mail from all these different places like the NFL alumni, NFL PA, like all this different stuff. And it's like so much information. And we were like, you know what? We need to do a better job of, number one, celebrating guys' career. Number two, uh, getting them reconnected back to the NFL. Number three, supporting them in anything they have going once they finish off the field. And so we created, you know, initially we were like, well, we didn't really like alumni because alumni sounds like college. Uh, we didn't want to say former player because we our motto was once a player, always a player. And so we said legend. And it's interesting because it took a while before that legend to kick in. Because even my buddy Nick Mango was like, bro, I'm not a legend. I'm like, no, dude, you're a first-round draft choice. You're a legend. He's like, no, Brett Favre was a legend. And I said, well, yeah, Brett Favre was a legend. But you got to imagine only 13,000 people in the history of the whole world played professional football more than three years or more. He said, okay, so Vernon Gomez is a legend. I was like, yeah, Vernon Gomez is a legend. And at some point in Vernon's life, even though things probably didn't work out as well as it did for the New York Jets of the National Football League, this dude was a sixth pick of the draft. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he goes back home, he's a legend. He goes back to his college, he's a legend. So that's kind of the term. And so the first thing we do is when guys thinking about leaving the game, number one, we celebrate their career. We're like, hey, you know what? You got a chance to do something that less than 1% of the whole world got a chance to do. Let's amplify that. And, you know, if I run into a guy like Curtis Martin, like, you know, Curtis has 15 things going on and we're trying to say use the power of the shield to see how we can help you and just getting guys back reconnected with their former teams. And so it that's what moves the needle in my life now. T. Rich, what's, what's the biggest challenge you find facing players as they make the transition from football back to regular life, so to speak? Yeah, you know, the hardest part is probably finding, meeting guys where they are because we've all seen it. Like a guy's been out of football for three years. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, man, I'm still running 40s. I'm like, ah. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to let people know. And it's funny because like every single player – 
that has played for the Jets or Giants, they fall into my wheelhouse because I'm the Northeast coordinator. So just, what, two weeks ago, I went to the Giants Super Bowl reunion dinner and, you know, uh, Eli was there. So all these guys are there. These guys fall into my wheelhouse and everybody, you know, they're like, dude, what the heck are you doing here? You're a Jet. But I'm like, dude, we all uh, either play against each other, we know each other. And so now it's just about that community. But I think that's the hardest part is just reaching guys when they know, when they're ready to transition. And I run into guys that's been out of the league 20 years and they're still, I mean, life is transition. If you go from IBM to Sprint, if you go from one company to another company, everyone's always transitioning. It's just being sensitive to someone's needs and just saying, how's the process going versus saying, look, man, you've been out for two years. It's time to put those clicks up and do something else. I mean, obviously that's the tough conversation, but yet at the same time, just kind of like whenever they're ready, they'll come to you. And that's our biggest challenge, just, you know, catching them when they're ready to roll. Do you see a lot of guys struggle transition wise when it comes to not only career, but the lifestyle? I mean, you go from making it rain to McDonald's, not, a, you know, that's drastic, but the millions and millions of dollars to not as much money coming in and having to change the way you eat, having to cha- change, you know, having a house cleaner, maybe downsize an apartment and housing. It's just a different life. Do you see a struggle with a lot of guys with that? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing we try to tell guys is start thinking about that transition as you are currently playing. Because when you think about that transition, it's not only you, it's the family as well. So all of a sudden, it's like like you said, the wife is at uh, Shore Hills Mall, and now we might have to go. You know what I mean? You just have to change it up. It's, it's not it's not anything different than anyone else goes to. It's like a doctor, my friend lives down the street. She's an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. She's getting ready to transition, but then she also realizes like she was like, you know what? I went to medical school. I took zero finance classes. You know what I mean? Like zero. Like she's doing really well for herself, but now she's saying I have to start kind of paying attention to more things because you know in medical school they don't you're not taking finance. You're not you know you have people to do that kind of stuff. So she's starting to understand that, you know, as she starts to transition and, you know, making that move, you know, from one profession to another, that things change. And so it's it's a transition. It's like, but if you plan properly, like, okay, you shouldn't have to say if your kids are in private school, all of a sudden you got to snatch them out. It's just a matter of just kind of plan and make sure you have a plan in place. Short Hills Mall, Jake, great place to see Jets. That was during the lockout. I used to hang out at the Short Hills Mall someday just to try to find guys. Because <laughs> that's that's a, it's a nice, very posh mall, as T. Rich. Uh, and, and you get a lot of models in there. I'm like, dang, is that her dad? I'm like, no, I don't think that's her dad. <laughs> oh, models, too? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm Short there. Hills. Like, oh, right. It's some mall. It's, it's an interesting mall, Jake. T-Rich just transitioning to, to the current Jets. What do you what do you think of the squad that they get some big wins against the Titans and the Bengals, and then they get their doors blown off by the Patriots and the Colts? What, how do you make sense of this team right now? Yeah, I've, I've pretty much been at every single home game, and like, and I'd be honest, I actually left against the Bengals. I I didn't necessarily believe the game was over. I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's a Sunday. I did my commitments. You know, I'm going to go ahead and beat this traffic. And I'm listening to it on the radio, and I'm like, holy smokes. And I'm like, but that's the thing, though. Know, you can see there's the grit is there. But they're the youngest roster in the entire National Football League. So they're learning how to win. And I know, I know, you know, every time I'm on or if I'm doing different shows, guys are like, man, I'm tired of hearing that. Um, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. They're like, dude, win. You know what I mean? So, you know, I like the, well, I can say young quarterbacks because I guess we've rotated through three quarterbacks. I like, the, I like the mentality. I like Salah. I like what Joe Douglas is doing. Guys are playing their butts off. It's just a matter of, you know, when you get to this level, you can't make mistakes. I mean, you're playing teams and you're turning the football over. Like, you got to be – I mean, you got to be above, 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 above like a team like maybe, say, the Rams or maybe a team like the Bucks that can overcome situations like that because, one, they've been there. They're mature. You got a leader in, like, Tom Brady. You get down. You know, like, you give him 10 seconds on the clock, 90 yards to go, he's going to get the touchdown. He's going to do something. So the Jets aren't quite there yet, but I like what they're doing. I like the mentality. There's a lot of young pieces. But then you look at next year, and I don't want to bag this season already, but you got 
draft capital. You got draft picks. I mean, you got, I mean, this roster could be, they could really build this roster, you know, the way it needs to be built. And also just making sure you get the right for agents that can be, you know, leaders in the locker room. Because I think that's the thing that, and nothing against Jamal Adams, but, you know, when you're a young guy and all of a sudden you're in your second, third year and you're the leader of the football team, it's like, dude, what happened to the seven-year guy, the eight-year guy, the 10-year guy, the 13-year guy? Those guys don't exist anymore. So you got to have the right leaders in place. You know, it could be a fourth-year guy. It could be a fifth-year guy, but you got to still have that nucleus when things get tough that somebody can say, hey, look, let's turn this thing around. And T. Rich, it starts at quarterback. What do you make of this? Do you ride Mike White until he has a crappy game or – does he play one more? And if Zach's healthy, you put Zach back in there. Obviously, right now, you still want to win games. And then Mike White gives us the best opportunity to win. But, you know, when Zach comes back in, he has to play. I mean, that's what – and for me, and I'm never going to second-guess coaches, or that's why I'm sitting on this couch and they're, they're coaching – but, you know, it's one of those things I kind of felt personally like, you know, have a veteran. Um, there was nothing wrong with the way the Chiefs brought in Patrick Mahomes. It's like you had Alex Smith and then you bring in Mahomes slowly. And they knew Mahomes was special. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, he's in Super MVP, you know, one time Super Bowl champ, but been there twice. So you get a chance to learn behind a veteran and then slowly integrate him in and you find the things he does well and then you build around that. So I think he kind of got thrown to the fire. And we all know, and I saw, I thought Mark Sanchez did a phenomenal job on, um, I think, Fox the other day of just kind of like, you know, in a big city in New York, maybe a jet or a giant, he can eat you alive. You know what I mean? It's like they throw you out there and you have a little bit of success. And Mark's like, oh, I got the keys to the city. And all of a sudden they take that, <laughs> they take that rope and snatch it away from underneath you. So <laughs> that happens real quick. So that's the thing, like, with Zach, it's like – He's a good kid. He's young. The bright lights, it's a lot. It's hard to play in New York City. So, But I do think now he's – if you're going to ride with him, if he's healthy, you got to go ahead and put him in the game. I mean, you have to play him. Because if not, it looks like it's a slap in the face if they make him stand on the sideline, which obviously at the highest level you shouldn't care about people's feelings, but you don't want to kill his confidence either. Kirish, I'm curious though. I, I Like the locker room, they know who the guy is. They know who's going to give him the best chance to win. They watch practice. They see him in practice every day. So – 2009, when when they went with Sanchez, were the veterans on that was that was a pretty vet, heavy veteran team back from from the year before with the run with Favre. Were you guys okay with rolling with Sanchez then? I mean, Callan Clemens was the only other quarterback on the roster who didn't have a lot of experience either. But there were games where you guys probably would have won more one more in 2009 if you had a more veteran quarterback. You know, what was the feeling? in 2009 with, with rolling with Sanchez like that. Yeah, we rolled with him because, and it's funny, I still talk to Thomas Jones, you know, quite a bit. We try to check in at least once a week or once every two weeks. And that's why I go back to veteran leadership. We had so much leadership in that locker room. I mean, you look at Adam Fanica, you look at obviously Nick Mango, DeBrickishaw, Damian Woody, Thomas Jones, you know, Jericho. So we had, we had guys. And so it's like, and we knew, and we knew what we, our, our identity was. And that's the biggest thing that I look at it just right now. I don't necessarily feel that it's an identity. We knew what our identity was going to be. We're going to play tough defense. We're going to smack you in the face and we're going to run the football and we're going to try not to turn it over. Not saying that we were like trying to put the handcuffs on Mark, but it's like, okay, Mark, we had a, we had a, a red light, green light, yellow light situation. You know what I mean? I think everyone heard about it. It's like, okay, Mark, you know what? We can go green here. So that gave him the whole, the field where he can like, okay, first read, second read, third read, and if you have to come back to the fourth. Then other times we're like, you know what? It's red. You know, if that sucker is not standing right there wide open, you don't throw it. And you know what I mean? But that's, that's kind of how you have to build a young quarterback when you have a running game like that. And and I still follow Rex on, you know, I was just with Rex in the city about a month ago and he was like, T-Rich, why do people make the game so hard? And I'm like, Rex, I don't know. I mean, that slobber knocker game, 
it still works. You know what I mean? It's not pretty. Fans may not like it, but you can still win in this league. Six nothing, ten nothing, ten three. Like those games, you can still win. You know, you just got to stay. You got to stay committed to what you are. But that's the thing with me with the Jets right now. I don't. There's really no identity. I'm like, you know, we hadn't had a tight end. I'm like, dude, do we ever? Do we throw the ball to the tight end? Do we run screen plays? We run. I'm just like. What is our identity? Are we going to be a smash mouth team? Are we going to be a four verticals? I mean, we're going to be a RPO. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what the identity of the team is right now. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about like Dustin Keller. You were Keller's teammate, right? Yeah. Actually, funny enough, I got to do. Um, so my day is pretty full. I'm actually performing a wedding. My buddy's getting married in Stanford. So I'm going up tomorrow and I'm doing a wedding on Friday. So I actually performed Dustin Keller's wedding. He was <laughs> he was my locker mate. Yeah. Are you an ordained minister? Tomorrow will be, well, Friday will be my 11th wedding. And so far I'm 10 and 0. So so my first wedding ever was uh, was Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez oh. was the first wedding ever. Wow. So you do strictly tight ends, okay? Well, you know, Tony was, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Tony was the first one to ask me, and then I did a few of my buddies here in the neighborhood, and then I did Dustin's. Uh, we he got married in Austin, which was a beautiful wedding. Not saying it because I did it, but uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm ten and zero right now. I got a lot of kids. I had a lot of little kids running around like Uncle Tony, Uncle Tony. <laughs> It's interesting because when we talk about and it's it's good TJ texts you back. You know he's Hollywood now. He's he's this actor. He's this Hollywood star, and he's drinking with his pinky out. Um, <laughs> so it's good. You know you made him a lot of money. He made you a lot of money, and a lot of great stats for both of you on those Jets teams. The Mike White situation is interesting because now you're thinking this guy was practice squad roster, practice squad roster with Sam Darnold here. What if he played during the Sam Darnold era? Maybe Zach Wilson never happens as Sam Darnold's time in Carolina looks like it might be over as he's hurt now. It makes you think, T-Rich, what if Mike White played for Darnold when he struggled and we saw some of these shades during those years? Man, you know it's so crazy. And I'm not saying I'm like, I can see the future. I'm rubbing this uh, genie in a bottle. But I I was one. I was like standing on the table like we should have kept Sam Darnold. And do, you know how much draft capital we could have had? Was it, he was the third, second or third pick in the draft. I'm like, don't do it. I mean, we there's so much more we could have did with that with that draft pick. And I'm not, you know, second guessing now because we don't know, you know, how this is all going to pan out. But like you said, if Mike White's playing, shoot, you got that second pick, you can get. There's so much you could have drafted. You could we could be sitting here with uh like look at all these kids that are balling in the that first ten. You know, 10 slots. So, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it's easy to go back and second guess now. And, you know, I kind of felt like giving the right pieces around him. I know Robbie Anderson wasn't too happy with uh, Sam Darnold last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tell him what you say. <laughs> but, you know, I think if having the right pieces around Sam Darnold, I think he could have been okay. But like you said, if Mike White played, we might not even be in this situation. But, it's, you know, it's hard for a team to put all the leverage on, you know. I mean, you could do it at fullback as an undrafted, but you can't, it's going to be hard to do it. Uh, well, he was actually drafted. You know, he was Drafted's just on practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. All uh, right, but eight quarters, Jake. Eight quarters. Let's let us let him play a little bit more before we start saying, oh, eight better God, quarters man. than what I've seen now. Elsewhere, I mean, he's been good. Yeah, but we'll right, see what happens Sunday. I mean, the pro it's funny because I looked back like should the Jets have known what they had if White if White turns out to be good last year? But part of the problem last year was there was no preseason. So talking to somebody, they're like, we never saw him in a game because it's a, and it's hard to judge guys on scout team. And I look at my own situation. I'm like, I was an undrafted free agent, and if I didn't have a off season and a preseason, I wouldn't even be sitting here today. Like that's where I made my money. Like literally, like running down on special teams, you know, doing all the little things. Like I'd stand right by the coach. We need a running back in there. If somebody didn't run in there, shoot, I'm in there. I don't even know. I didn't care if it was fullback, tailback. But that's how you that's how you get reps and that's how you build your chemistry. And and I don't know, like, you know, how do you 
make a decision on a quarterback, like you said, with, with no preseason, no offseason. So that probably kind of bogged his uh, his opportunities a lot. When you look at the defense right now, 260 rushing yards against the Colts. Uh, sure, as an old running back, you, you like those kinds of days. I remember TJ had a, had a day like that against Buffalo um, the one time, remember? And I think Sanchez threw five interceptions in that game. What, what do you see, you know, when you look at the Jets' defense right now of, you know, they, they seem like they can't stop the run and 500 yards in two of the last three games? That part was disappointing because I think that has nothing to do with the other side of the ball. I mean, obviously, it does return the ball over and out there too long. But I think that's the part that kind of makes you scratch your head and like, wow. Like, because I think for me, running the football and stopping the run is attitude and want to. And it's hard. You know, I know it. I've never been on, I mean, in high school. But when you get them big backs coming downhill, and that's what we built our bread and butter on. Like, we already knew, like, okay, there's going to be two yards in a cloud of dust in the first quarter. You know, second quarter is going to be more yards. And all of a sudden, like Jonathan Taylor, and he's a kid I had at the combine. Next thing you know, this sucker runs 90 yards untouched. I'm like, dang, I could I could still run through that hole. But you know what I mean? That, those, are, those are things where sometimes, you know, guys are trying to do too much. They're trying to run around blocks. They don't want to take that block on. Literally, all you need is that crease. Bam, gone, out of the gate. You know, your average goes up, goes, goes up really high when you have a 90 yard touchdown run. So, because you can do everything right on defense and once somebody is out of that gap and next thing you know, you get a 90 yard run and everything else just goes out the window. I think they can get that fixed because for me, stopping the run and running the ball is just about attitude and sticking your nose in there and sometimes getting bloody. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, that was probably most disappointing the last two games because, you know, I can understand a guy get beat, beat, bad position or whatever, but when you get the ball ran on you, that's the, <laughs> that's the moralizing. Cause I know how it feels on the other side of the ball. When you take someone's wheel, literally, we just when you pound the ball, and I've had the Adrian Petersons, and I had the Priest Holmes, and we played one year <laughs> talking about taking someone's heart. We played against the Falcons when I was with the Chiefs. We had eight rushing touchdowns, and Herm was the head coach. Uh, Priest had four. Derek Blaylock had four. They didn't even want to get on the bus. I was like, y'all need to walk home. You know what I mean? Cause that's, that's literally like taking someone's heart and just like taking out their chest and just tearing it up and then biting it. And that's what that's what happened to the Jets the last two years because you give up them type of running yards. That's that's about attitude and want to. Yeah, I hate to age. You'll be fifty. You don't look it, but you'll be fifty next month. Did you think that when you were still thirty in your thirties, thirty nine, that the Jets wouldn't make the playoffs since then? It's been a decade, and you were thirty nine when the Jets made it. You know, January two thousand eleven. Did you think that they would go this long without being there? Nah, you know it's crazy. I I think I tell you guys a lot of time. I live right here in Long Island City. If I open this window, the firehouse is literally right there. You know, most every Firemen and police officers are Jets fans, and it's like these dudes are hurting. You know what I mean? They wear their Jets hats, and not only do they have to have the nice lid, by the time the season over, that mug is like ripped in half. We're going to tear it up, but no, nah, I couldn't because we had so much success. And Rex, Rex and I talked about it. We had a beer together in the city. Like we, did, we were doing a um, foundation for the blind. He said, Tears just many a nights where I lay in bed. I'm like, man, I wish I could have brought that team back one more year. He said, that's what kicks himself in the butt. He was just like, we could have made it. But you know, it's so hard to say. I mean, it's like it's easy to second guess, but it's like, you know, the Buffalo Bills went to what, four AFC championship games? The likelihood of going to three in this day and age with free agency and everything else. Like, we had a good nucleus, but I'm like, Rex, you know, who knows what would have happened. But, you know, I would have probably liked to see what we could have did. We might have made the playoffs in 2012. So, made a run at it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing because it's like Jet fans are due. And I know <laughs> – and I hate doing this because I follow uh, – 
Woody on social media, people just light him up, sell the damn team. <laughs> and I, I'm like, he's over here talking about, oh, we're going to wear the black uniforms today. He's like, you need to sell the damn team. And I'm over here like, dang, Woody, just don't post. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we got a new uniform combo. I'm like, how about we get a new winning combo? I like that exactly. a little bit I, I, I hate to even do that. So I just like to go down to the comments, sell the damn team. You want to do something right? Sell the team. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, you got to pull a Canarius Tony and turn the replies off on that one. You're going to have to. Yeah, he needs to. <laughs> Tears, did you guys know? when they started dismantling that team after 2010 i mean they they lost you guys lost fanica after 09 and tj right and then you're gone woody's gone then they get rid of jericho in training camp there was talent you know they still they, they signed santonio you know nick and brick were still there brandon moore was still there the defense was still pretty much intact you know revis was at his peak like did you say okay they took too much of that good leadership out of that locker room and, and that team's not going to be as good anymore yeah you know it's kind of easy to sit back and, and say that now at the time though they were stacked and it's funny too because at a conversation i had with tannenbaum and woody they actually came to dustin's wedding and mike tannenbaum was like hey tony he was like put your general manager hat on and if you had to make a decision to sign braylon or santonio who would you sign and i'm just like you're gonna have a headache with both of them regardless you know what i mean both of them it's just a matter of of which one and it was crazy and they end up signing santonio contract then he goes slam off the rails you know what i mean it's like you know who knows if if they signed Braylon, Braylon wouldn't have went off the rails, but it was just intricate small pieces. And you can't have, you know, you have a young quarterback like that. You can't have that type of negative energy in a locker room. Like, you know, I need the ball or I'm not going to go in the huddle, like all that kind of stuff that that kills a young quarterback. Cause your your number one receiver is your go-to guy. <laughs> yeah. I just think there was a lot of things that, cause Tony used to sit next to me in meetings and like, not saying that I could have kept him from going off the rails, but he was different. He was a different guy. You know what I mean? He had to kind of push his buttons in a different way to get him to, you know, even though he's a Super Bowl champ, but you know, sometimes you get your pocketbook full of money, things get a little, you know, the little things start to go, start to go out the window. And it's, it's just sad because it's like, there was so much promise. Yeah. Do you notice that a lot? And to me today, in today's era, it's even worse because the brand endorsements, everything, you know, Twitter, social media guys get paid and some of them just check out. Did you notice that a lot in your career? Yeah. You know, normally like pretty much my career, I didn't see too much of it. I mean, you'd have some guys, I mean, I play with guys that sign big contracts and they shut it down because it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, oh man, when's the last time you played football? I was like uh, 2010, 2011. I'm like, Football is not a sport where I'm like, oh, man, you know what? Hey, you, hey, hey, Brick, you still got your Jets helmet? Hey, man, let's go out in the backyard and run into each other. Like, that's a, that's a mentality. Like, it's a different sport. Like, if you play basketball, I'm sure Jordan goes in his million-dollar mansion house and he shoots hoops. You know, I'm sure baseball players play catch. Guys play tennis. We play golf. But that helmet, that's real. Like, I'm not – I haven't put that thing on since uh, <laughs> since 2010. It's not a sport that – and I think that's why owners for a while didn't want to do guaranteed contracts because – it takes a lot to go out there and strap it up week in and week out, knowing that you take one hit, you might not come off that field. You know what I mean? So I would never put a cast of dispersion on guys, but I've definitely seen where guys, they're like, I'm good, now I'm paid. I'm like, just shut, they just shut it down, and there's nothing you really can do about it. Yeah, the thing I remember about Santonio contract was uh, you know, the day he signed the contract, he put that picture on social media of him drinking the bottle of Cristal with his shirt off. And we, we we put it was on the front page of the post. It said Jet Fuel was the headline. And I later heard that Schottenheimer took a copy of the paper and threw it on Rex's desk and said, "Yeah, we're we're effed." Oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> that's classic. He's on the contract. Here we go. Here's our franchise guy. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Last one, T. Rich. It's got to be annoying, and I think I asked this last year. The fading out of the fullback. I know you know hit to the head and helmet rules. Everything's different now, but. 
Um, you were a guy that that blocked for you know Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Thomas Jones, Chester Taylor, Adrian Peterson, some of the greats, and you know helped your career. But now you don't see the Tony Richardson. You know Elijah Penny is like a fullback, running back combo. Trayvon Wesco. It's like obscure names that aren't really faces of teams like like you were. Does that frustrate you, or do you think that's just how the league is now? No, nah, you know, it's funny. I, I still follow uh, Hushek. So we talk fullback from uh, – from actually, there's a, there's a few guys. So C.J. Ham uh, with Minnesota. You know, I talked to him quite a bit. I've spent some time with him, done some charity stuff. Obviously, Hushek is a beast. Like, you know, I think he's having a Hall of Fame career with San Francisco. But my guy who I follow is a fullback from Baltimore. Dude, this dude is like 290. Like, getting it done. Ricard. I'm like – Ricard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He can, I mean, this kid – well, he's he's pretty flexible, too, to be – I think he's like 6'2", maybe 295, 300. But, but we will never have a fullback on the all-decade team like T. Rich. You'll never see that ever again. It might, Jake. You might. Here's, here's my theory, T. Rich, on this is offenses all went spread – Right. And now the defense's response is, okay, let's get small linebackers, quick linebackers. Like what what the Jets did. They drafted two safeties, made them linebackers. I think the offense's response at some point is going to be, okay, let's run a power running game because they've got 220 pound linebackers over there. They're not gonna be able to stop us. So I'm not sure, Jake, the fullback is dead yet. There could be a resurrection of a fullback. I want to see receiving yards. I want fullbacks out in the slot making catches, you know, the little I form where they go down the middle. You throw I'm thinking of like Madden plays now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I want to see more of that. And I think you I think you're spot on because I think as the game changes, and I think when and I always say we say nut cutting time, and you start to see when the weather starts to change. Because Baltimore's gonna be Baltimore. They're gonna line up in that because the thing about it, people don't look at their style of play, but it's a power running game. And it looks cute because a quarterback can run a four two or four one. But the way they run, they come straight downhill. And so when when it gets nut cutting time and the, hat, the guy they have, it's like as much as Tom Brady throws the ball around the park, as much as the Patriots throw the ball around the park, when it gets nut cutting time, they put a fullback in there and they, they start running the ball, even the Chiefs for a while. And that, they realize now, like, as great as Patrick Mahomes has been and, and still is, they got to get back to, like, you know what, running the football. You know, when they had the fullback, that's when they went to the Super Bowl, Sherman. And they're, they're starting to get back to, like, okay, yeah, we could throw the ball, you know, 50 yards down the field. But then all of a sudden you look up, you got three picks and you're losing. So, I think teams are starting to get back to like you know running the ball, like you said, these little linebackers. I I feast on these guys. They're like you know they're soaking wet, like two ten. I'm like, okay, come down here, if you want to? You're gonna get jacked out of here. <laughs> how, how much yeah. how much you bench in these days? What what do you still got left in the team? Bro, I even bench press. I do. I got kettlebells. I'm over here like I'm doing like the Jane Fonda workout, twenty five thirty pounds. <laughs> Just keeping it functional, keeping it functional. <laughs> Amazing, Tony Richardson. Follow him on Twitter at forty nine T Rich. Instagram Tony Rich and Wise, the Northeast coordinator for the Legends Community with the nfl t-rich i know you got to get your booster this morning because you you don't listen to uh joe rogan's podcast so good good work there <laughs> and uh i'm actually crazy enough my appointment is at 11 i'm nervous too because i'm like i talked to my neighbors and her son he's young he just got his first shot but her parents got their booster she said it wiped him out 24 hours paralyzed i'm like dang <laughs> i got my booster last week i got it on tuesday and, and flew to indianapolis on wednesday which was a big mistake. Yeah, I was dest- I was destroyed Wednesday. I was out of it. Like it was it it not today. You'll be fine today. It's like tomorrow you'll be you'll feel it. Yep. And that's when I got to drive up to Stanford for the wedding. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, we're feeling you know tight ends only. Come to T Rich only t- strictly tight ends, strictly '90s Joel for Tony Richardson. Tony, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, Mike White and the Jets could string a couple wins together. You know, I, w- I want it to be uh you know memorable on Sundays at MetLife. Get a couple wins, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. The autumn wins and the winter wins. They've come and gone.
All right, all right, all right. That'll say adios to episode 83, the George Sour edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me out in producing the show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos. Read Cos's coverage of the Jets in the Post, nypost.com, and go get Sports Plus, nypost.com slash Sports Plus. Five-star rating, nice review, Apple Podcasts. Just search Gangs All Here. Scroll down, give us five stars, write something nice. You know, tell us your favorite chicken parm spot. We appreciate your support. So, you know, we'll enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll enjoy the Mike White show at MetLife Stadium. And, you know, hopefully we react to a win on Monday morning. That's I want to wake up Monday morning feeling good about the New York Jets. And we'll be back then with a special guest. Stay tuned for that. On Twitter, for Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. And thanks for listening to Gangs All Here.